0: If you have your Bible today, please open it to the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be looking at verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Here's the word of the Lord to his beloved. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill the words spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to God's truth, we are in desperate need of you to give us clear understanding of it. We cannot understand the word apart from you. Doesn't matter how smart we are. Doesn't matter how many sermons we listen to or Christian songs we listen to. If you're not moving in us, we do not gain insight and understanding of God's Word. Period. So forgive us for taking you for granted. Forgive me for taking you for granted. And we invite you, we beg you, we implore you to come during this time to help us to gain better understanding. Of God's word. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. People uh, have ways about themselves. You know, serious ways. Funny ways, confusing ways, standoffish ways, high maintenance ways, uptight ways. Just spend time with people. Spend time with them. And you will see. You will see their ways, and they will see your ways. And these ways that we have about ourselves, they can be communal ways, they can be family ways or individual ways, tribal ways, cultural ways. Each of us have a way in which we do life, a way that we do church, a way that we do education, a way that we do relationships, a way that we handle conflict, and a way that you celebrate Easter. So we have these ways about us. But what happens when your way encounter the ways of someone that's different than you? What happens when different ways of doing life come face to face with one another, nose to nose, eye to eye? The staring contest begins and who will blink first. You see, we can often assume that our way is the right way, the correct way, the Christian way. A biblical way and others well they just need to get with the program but such thinking and such belief leads us to make our way the standard by which other people must assimilate and we will fight dirty to protect our way from challenge from interference and most of all change and we have one confessional faith when it comes to this you know what that is It's this well we've always done it that way We've always done it that way, Pastor. Is the Lord Jesus allowed to cross your way? To cross the way you have always done things? Is Jesus allowed to challenge, interfere, and to change your ways? A friend of mine, Reverend Leroy Fountain, he, told, he once told me, he says, God is not obligated to provide visions for your vision. For he will provide visions for his vision. So before you cast a vision, make sure it's from God. (laughs) Isaiah 55, 8 and 6 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. "For for, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Saints, there's only one way in this life. It's God's way. His way is the way, and we are expected to get with the program, to get on board. If you were here last week, then you know, you should know God's way is a person. Jesus of Nazareth. He's the promised way, the long-anticipated way, the fulfillment way, the priestly way, the prophetic way, the kingly way, the messianic way, the redemptive way, the salvation way, the crucified way, the resurrection way, the Easter way. He's it. And this morning, the way needs to be protected. It needs to be protected. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Pastor. It needs to be, it needs protection because in the verses before us, there are some complications. Trouble enters the room. Confusion shows up. Misunderstanding arrives. And there are issues in the way. And the issues come from how Jesus is conceived. And the person with the issues is Joseph. Rightfully so. Because Mary, his wife to be, is pregnant with a child that's not his. Not his. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place this way. After his mer- mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. These, This couple, they are betrothed to one another. And this is different from our engagement period. This is a legal pledge to be married. Legal pledge. Mary and Joseph have a binding contract that only can be broken through death or divorce. They already carry the titles husband and wife. So before they come together to live as husband and wife, before Joseph can go get Mary from her father's house, before the marriage is consummated, Mary is found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her conception isn't natural. It is not the normal way babies are conceived. The gospel, according to Luke, he, get, he goes into great details about this conception. And he's, in, that, in the gospel of Luke, the angel Gabriel is sent to Mary. And he says to her, Mary, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. The Son of God. We know, and Mary knows, that her pregnancy is a miraculous pregnancy conception. It's supernatural. It's a miracle. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, her husband, doesn't know any of this. He's clueless. He wasn't there when the angel came. From his perspective, from his point of view, something shady done happened. His wife to be has done him dirty. He finds her four months pregnant with a child that's not his. He is not the baby's daddy. Like I said, there's issues in the way, complications in the way, trouble in the way. And we do a, and we could do a great disservice to this couple if we just gloss over what's happening here. It would be unloving to silverline what is happen, happening here by saying God is sovereign. We get that through, truth. We know that truth. But that's not the truth people always need to hear when their life is turned upside down. It's always easy to verbalize that truth when you're not standing in their shoes. And their shoes have issues. Please don't take away The humanity of Joseph and Mary. Let them be human like us. Their relationship is in jeopardy. Their life together is in trouble. Can you imagine the emotional distress? The fear? The pain? The confusion? The anger? Feeling betrayed? Feeling misunderstood? Imagine that conversation. (laughs) Imagine Mary tearfully trying her best to explain to Joseph what happened. Imagine Joseph listening to her explanation in disbelief. Picture this. So let me get this straight, Mary. You want me to believe that an angel named Gabriel came to you and told you this would happen? So how did the angel look, Mary? What kind of clothes did the angel have on? Did the angel have wings? What is it, Mary? How and this angel told you that you have found favor with God, that you will conceive a son and you're to name him Jesus and something called the Holy Spirit, whatever that is, will cause this to happen. But thanks for the favor, God. I surely feel favored right now. I can't believe this. Of all the excuses, Mary, of all the explanations that you can give me, this is the best you can come up with. Do you think I'm a fool? Do you think I was born yesterday? The only explanation of why you're pregnant is because you cheated on me and you hid it for months. Hiding out down at Elizabeth's house for four months, you cheated on me. You had an affair. Instead of owning it, you're making up stories about angels and and the Holy Spirit. Now I love you, but I can't deal with this mess. I can't deal with this drama. I'm done. Would you be done? There isn't a man in this room who would believe his wife-to-be if she gave you the same explanation that Mary gave Joseph. I don't care how holy you are. You wouldn't believe it. Even though Mary's explanation is true, it's still hard to believe. We can believe it because we're looking back into history. But if we were living in that time, like, man, hey, man, dude, you better run. She cheated on you. You know you've been saying that. That would be that would be your counsel. It's hard for him to wrap his mind around what what has happened because Mary appears to have committed adultery. That's what it seems like, and smells like, and tastes like. Her story is unbelievable, and that is what Joseph currently believes. That's what, and from his viewpoint, that's what it seems like. And so he's out. He's going to bounce. He's not going to stay. He's not going to raise another man's child. He's not going to stay with a woman who's been unfaithful to him. So he plans to get a divorce. He plans to leave her. That's what he does. And there appears to be grounds to do so. He can bring Mary before the court and make an example of her. He can do that. He can easily hurt her like he believes she has hurt him. He can even make her infidelity public. He can shame her if he wants to. He can air out all her dirty laundry if he wants to. But that's not the course of action he takes. Look at verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He's fair and he's he's an even-handed man. He has upright character. There's no desire to put her to public shame and to disgrace her. That's why he decides to have a private divorce with just two witnesses. He's protecting her honor, even though he's planning on leaving. This is mercy, okay? This is kindness. As one commentator says, this is justice with compassion from Joseph's perspective. But if he goes through with this, if he leaves her, that would cause complications to the way. You see, we often overlook the role of Joseph in the life of Jesus. We can even bypass it. Luke 1.26 says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to, To the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And that virgin's name was Mary. Without Joseph, Jesus cannot have the genealogy that Matthew outlined in the first 17 verses. Okay? Without Joseph, Jesus' lineage is in jeopardy. Joseph is the one who will connect Jesus to the house of David. And that might not happen now. So there's trouble, there's issues that it needs to be protected, and God does. He, he does because he crosses Joseph's way. He challenges his way. He interferes with his way, and he changes his way. His decision, his role, his view of Mary's pregnancy. He even changes his role of how he thinks God should work in his creation. Many of us are in need of the same thing. For God to challenge our way to interfere with it, to change it, to cross it. Because we often assume, assume we have the only front row seat to the way that God works in his creation. My tribe knows, my church knows, my theology knows. And let's just be really honest. We all have a desire to colonize God to our way. That's Okay. <laughs> We all have a desire to colonize God to our way. But he's not having it. We cannot colonize him. Just because we don't always understand what God is doing in and through another person doesn't mean it's not real and from God. Just because we can't explain something doesn't mean it's necessarily unbiblical. Just because it's beyond our rational comprehension doesn't make it untrue. Just, I remember Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, your ways are not my ways. The class of the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That is true. That should be. If you're if you're a student of theology, that should be theology A. That verse. You ain't ever gonna have God figured out. I don't care how big your textbook is. You would never have him figured out. See, Joseph is going to learn that truth today. God is going to learn him today. He's going to intervene into Joseph's way, and, and he's going to he does so to protect the way. And this intervention is supernatural. Is there room in your faith for God to work supernaturally? Or do you think that died out when Jesus went back to heaven? Is there room in your faith for God to do something that you can't explain through all your theological knowledge? I hope so. I hope so. My family and I went to a helicopter egg drop yesterday at Sharon Johnson Park. Tons of families there. All the kids were excited to see the helicopter drop all these plastic eggs on the ground. Expectations were high, man. The kids, they couldn't wait to just rush out there and get all these plastic eggs. But it all ended in disappointment. All ended in disappointment. First, the, the helicopter was 30 minutes late. Second, they didn't drop enough eggs for all the kids. You know, when the kids rushed on the field, it was like locusts, man. It was, the eggs were there and it were gone. And not and, and, and every kid didn't get anything, so there was a lot of tears. And third, majority of the eggs that they dropped didn't have any candy in them. Not even one jelly bean. And then to top it off, they wanted donations when you left. A bit disappointment. And so how did we handle that disappointment? Well, I complained and so said I wasn't coming back anymore. A lot of the kids cried. So we all have a way in which we handle disappointment. What are the ways do you deal with disappointment? Do you have comfort food? Do you have an adult beverage? Do you play video games? Do you just keep yourself busy? Do you complain or do you just sleep? Joseph chooses sleep. He goes to bed. He goes to bed with a heavy heart, and his mind is flooded with the thoughts of Mary, the thoughts of her pregnancy and processing his decision, wondering how his plan was going to come true, who would be the two witnesses for the divorce. And after he falls asleep, that's when the Lord comes. The Lord speaks to him in a dream, and that is supernatural. That is supernatural. Supernatural. Verse 20, but as Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. You see, the angel affirms and acknowledges Joseph's role here. He calls him Joseph, son of David. Do you know that title is only given to one other person, Jesus? Jesus. Jesus, And and the angel is telling Joseph, your marriage, basically, will make Jesus part of the house of David. Jesus has to be his legal son in order for Jesus to be a descendant of David. The way has been protected. Jesus' earthly way has been protected. Next, the angel ministers to his fears and concerns. The angel confirms what Mary has been telling him. She wasn't unfaithful. She didn't step out on him. Her pregnancy is a miracle. It is supernatural. And hopefully his unbelief is becoming belief at this point. Joseph is being commanded by the angel to take Mary as his wife. He's not giving him an option, okay? It's not a simple suggestion. Because the words of the angel is the words of Yahweh Elohim. He's being commanded to go get his woman. Being commanded not to pursue a divorce. And by taking her as his wife, that also includes taking the baby too. To be a father to that baby. To protect that baby. To teach that baby. To raise that boy as if it was on his own biological son. And that's tough. Because he has being called by God to do this. It's a calling. And here's the principle for us. The Lord's calling in our life has its jagged edges. They ain't always going to be convenient. It's going to challenge your way. It's going to interfere with your way. And it will change your way. But do you believe it? And next, the angel gives Joseph a little glimpse of this baby's future. A glimpse into what this child has come into the world to accomplish. This child has a purpose. Verse 21 Remember, will bear a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. How would this child do this? How would a child who is yet to be born do this? Joseph has no earthly idea what his angel is talking about. But we do. That's what we've been celebrating all week, right? Jesus rescues his people from their sins. He sets them free from their sins. He sets you free. The question is, do you want to be free? And sin isn't just actions and behaviors. It's your thoughts, your motives. It's your heart. It means sin can be unrighteousness and self-righteousness. It can be morality and immorality. It can be good works and bad works. That's sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what stands in the way of what God wants for you. What does he want for you? To be reconciled to him through his son. Do You see, the Lord protecting the way of Christ in these verses is for your benefit. Your benefit. And God's way of dealing with your sin is through his son. And the way Jesus deals with your sin is by dying for them on the cross. That's how he deals with them. Mary's baby, that baby that Mary is carrying is your substitute, marked for death, and he dies in your place, but do you believe it? Please know that the gospel story is is, is a nightmare when you think about it because of what happens to Jesus. Now, we have romanticized it, but when you think about it in context, what happens to him is brutal it's messy. It's violent. It's not something you would take your kids to see. You won't take them to see that because of what it does and what it represents. Isaiah 53 says, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. We esteem him stricken and spitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All like sheep have gone astray. And everyone has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. All. All of us need this baby. But do you believe that? Do you really believe it? There's a gospel song that says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a ranch like you and me. That's love. That's love. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. And for me, he died. That's love. That's love. But that's not how the story ends. Y'all should be jumping up and down right now. I said, that's not how the story ends. Because three days later, he what? He rose again. That's love. He died on Good Friday. But Easter is here now. Easter is here now. So yes, he died for your sins. But if he didn't rose, if he didn't raise from the dead, you're still lost in him. It wasn't enough for him just to die. He had to get up from that grave. He had to come out of that tomb. Because if he didn't, we are lost. We are still lost in our sins. Without the resurrection. So it ain't just the cross that we appreciate. We appreciate the resurrection as well. Because without it, the cross has no power. He needed to get up from that grave. And praise God that he did. Because death could not hold him down. Jesus is a bad man. In a good way. Do you believe it? Has the story of the gospel, is it just sand in your hands after all these years? Does it does it move you? Does it move you? Or is it just a story you tell your kids at night? Does it impact you still? Does it drive you to your knees in praise of God outside of Holy Week? Does it still touch the depths of your soul the first time you believed it? what Christ has done for you. Death is swallowed up in victory, people. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, the, the sting of death is sin, the power is sin of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe this? And are you resting in this? Joseph believes the angel, even though he doesn't fully understand what's happening. Please know that. He has no idea what this angel is talking about. He doesn't fully know what this means. He doesn't fully know. He can't see the end in sight. Even though he doesn't fully know what this baby is going to grow up to do, he still chooses to obey. He still chooses to believe it. Verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Joseph. This brother was really committed. He knew her not for nine months. He was committed to the cause. And so he didn't fully understand it. But he still obeyed it. You don't have to have perfect understanding of Jesus to come to him in faith. Okay? Okay? You don't have to know all the theology. You don't have to know all the stories. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of how he works to believe what he says is true. You don't have to have it all together to rest in him. Come as you are. Rest as you are. The way is offering your invitation to come to him. Will you come to him? For the first time, would you come back to him if you have wandered into the far country and, and living in an unbelief? The hands of Jesus are reaching out for you right now. At this moment, he's reaching out to you at this moment in your circumstance, in your family, in your struggles. His hand is extending to you out of love, not judgment. Will you come? Will you receive it? Will you rest in it? He reaches his hands out to you to show you the way. To show you the way of everlasting life, to show you the way of forgiveness. And he's the only way. And that way is protected once you want it. Protected. If you don't know Christ, then today you can know him. You can let the blood of Jesus cross your sin. You can let the blood of Christ cross your way. Do you want forgiveness? Do you want acceptance? Are you tired? Are you hurting? Are you tired of giving your life things that ain't satisfying you? Then you need to come to Jesus. There is your heart won't ever find rest until it finds rest in Christ. I don't care what you do. And this is important for your young folks and those who are growing up and going off to college soon. You ain't ever going to have peace apart from Christ. Ever have peace. I don't care if you get that nice job, have that nice family, have that nice lifestyle. Without Jesus, you ain't ever going to have peace. All you're going to do is bounce around from thing to thing to thing and saying, be my God. They won't be your God. They can't be your God. There's only one God. And his hand is extended to you. Will you come? Will you confess your sins? Will you repent of those sins? And will you submit to him and surrender to him in faith as your Lord and Savior? Now, if you already have faith in him, you've been walking with Jesus for years, do you still trust him? Do you still believe he's good to you? If he's made a way to deal with your sin, then you can trust him when he crosses your way in life that I mean, He doesn't cross your way because he hates you. He crosses your way because he loves you. You can trust him when he interferes in your life. You can trust him when he changes things. Look at verse 22. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet has spoken. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus means God saves. Emmanuel means he's with us. He's not just your Savior. He's with you right now at this moment, walking with you. But do you believe it, beloved? Or do you not believe you're navigating through this life alone? Do you functionally live as an atheist? Do you functionally live as if God is not real? He is there with you, He's over your circumstance. Do you believe it? As Emmanuel, that means. He will never abandon you. He will never abandon you. Don't care how far you may wander, your struggles you may have in your life, he will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never look down upon you with disgust. He looks upon you with favor. But do you believe that? This stuff will change your life. It will change the journey of your faith if you truly believe Jesus Emmanuel with you. Walking with you. He says to us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Is that you? And I will give you rest. Do you want rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus being placed in this family means Jesus grew up in a working class family. He didn't grow up in 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 riches. He didn't grow up with a silver spoon in his mouth. See what that means mean Jesus knows what it's like to be you. And he welcomes you. Because he knows what it's like to be you. Will you come? Let us pray. Lord, help my unbelief. It's so easy week after week to come in here and and, and tell everyone else what they need to believe. When it, and when I know in my heart I struggle to believe it too. So help my unbelief. Help me to, be, help me to believe you, you not only have died for my sins, but Lord, you are with me as I do life in this world. And so I pray that, that as we navigate life, as we go about our weeks, that your spirit will give us a great assurance that you are with us. A great assurance that if you made a way to deal with our sin, then you will make a way to deal with what we're currently struggling with. Help us not to sell you short. Help us to expect you to move. We sometimes do not expect you to move. We we, 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 we sometimes forget that our faith is highly Supernatural. And we forget that all the time. Help our unbelief. Be with us as we continue to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And we thank you that Jesus defeated the dead grave. And then right now, he's sitting at your right hand. In Christ's name I pray.